Before we begin today's show, Stephen A. Smith is one of the most well-known names in all of sports media, which is why he's bringing his one-of-a-kind segments and can't-miss interviews to ESPN Plus fans. The show is called Stephen A.'s World, and if you want to learn more, simply sign up now at ESPNPlus.com. On top of all that, be sure to check out the Jalen and Jacoby podcast. They release new episodes every day, as well as a podcast-exclusive content just for their loyal listeners. If you're interested, download and subscribe to the Jalen and Jacoby podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to the Hoop Collective podcast. We talk about the NBA, which we are doing today with Tim McMahon joining us from Dallas, Texas. Hello, Tim. Howdy, partners. Virtually attended the uh, Rockets uh, Wizards game last night, which we're going to be talking to, and um, spicy. spicy. Are we calling that virtually attending, sitting on the couch, watching it, and coming yeah. via Zoom? Okay, yeah, cool. That's what we're calling yeah. it. Yeah, you have okay. a problem with that? No, I, I listen, makes me sound a lot more valuable than I am. I'll right. take it. Joining us virtually, virtually from Boston, is that an appropriate usage of virtually? Yeah, that's good. Okay. Yeah. Joining us virtually from Boston is Tim Bontemps. Hello, Brian. Timmy, Timmy Good Times. That's me. Um, so by the time you guys hear this podcast, this game will have already been played. Uh, but that's never stopped us before. So why wouldn't we keep firing onward? Uh, the Lakers are in uh, Philly tonight. Um, two teams with the best records in each conference for the moment. Hey, um, uh, Bontemps, what was Philly's home record last year when the shutdown hit? Like 25 and one or something? Uh, it was it was incredibly good, whatever it was. Yeah. I don't know exactly off the top of my head, but it was the best re- best home record in the league, and they w- lost one or two games at home all season. Guess who has the best home record in the 2020-21 season at home? Going to assume it is the Philadelphia 76ers. Philly, Philly 9-1. and one. Lakers, by the way, 10-0 and 0, uh, on the road. Uh, Philly, Something about Philly, even without the fans, they're just terrific at home. D- different coach, different record. Um, let them play at home. Um, so we are at, you know, I think a lot of teams have played 17 to 19 games. This is the point of the season where the MVP race, it's certainly not won or lost, but it starts to get framed at this point, especially in a 72 game season. And who knows how many games we actually end up playing. Um, you know, we're essentially at the, at the quarter pole. Um, and to, to the guys, uh, McMahon, who are in my mind in this race, I mean, we can debate how deep the race is. LeBron and, uh, and Embiid are playing in this game. Um, Embiid is playing best basketball of his career. We talked about him on the podcast with Cheney, uh that came out uh, on Monday. Um, you know, this is a this is a game that has a little bit of a piece of the MVP uh, race that could potentially be in it. I do love talking about MVP race. Some, uh, what is it? Are we a month into the season now? Yeah, but this is when it gets. I mean, I know what you're saying. But go back and look at the, the way into the quarter of the way into the season now. Okay. Okay. No, I'm listen. not saying somebody's going to win or lose it tonight. I'm telling you though, it gets framed by right now. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And honestly, I feel like this year and I, and I saw that uh, some of the, the Las Vegas books um, put, put LeBron as the favorite. Luca went into the season as the favorite, but I feel like this year it, it is LeBron's award to lose. I think LeBron uh, won. If you're, if you're just like, who's the best player in the league? 
not who's the MVP of the regular season. Who's yeah, the best this is, That's the another topic that's it's, been right. around for but a that, long time. That's a, that's a unanimous, right? Every, everybody's going to say LeBron. But that was, two, true la- that was true last year, and he didn't win. Right. And then I think LeBron did a nice little bit of lobbying uh, in, in the bubble. And uh, <laughs> I, I think Give that me my respect. some votes. Give me my respect, too. Yeah. A, a nice little bit of lobbying. And look, if the Lakers... I want my damn respect, too. If the Lakers run away with the best record in the league and, and LeBron is as dominant and efficient as he's been, I think he probably should be the MVP. But, you know, Embiid can make a case if the if the Sixers end up being uh, the, the team with the best record in the Eastern Conference, if he's going to put up, you know, career best numbers, if he's going to be a dominant force on both ends of the floor, then he can make a case. Bontemps, LeBron is averaging a career low in minutes this year. Um, but his his advanced stats and other stats are really good. And one of the most interesting things is he's shooting the three-pointer. You know, again, we're we're early, but he's shooting the three-pointer than he than he the best that he ever has. And that's part of what's driving the Lakers. They're shooting the three-pointer very well in general. Um there was this belief this year that he may ease into the season because of the real short layoff that hasn't happened. And the Lakers, um, nobody's questioning whether they're for real. Um, and that frames the race fair or not. Yeah. Look, the MVP is a narrative award as we know, and LeBron, uh, has a pretty strong hold on the narrative. You know, uh, if that, you know, he's been great. They have the best record in the league. Um, if their record slips a bit, if his and the team's three point shooting slips a bit, which there's at least a chance it will happen over the final three quarters of the season, um, things may shift a little bit, but look, I, I think McMahon makes a great point about the bubble. LeBron was very calculated, I think, in kind of putting that narrative out there. And, you know, we know he thinks about this stuff. He mentioned back in the preseason about talking to Marcus all about, uh, getting the defensive player of the year award that LeBron thought he should have got back in 2013. Um, there's no question he thinks about this stuff in terms of his legacy. And, you know, I think if there's a tie this year, LeBron from a career lifetime achievement award situation is going to probably have a pretty strong leg up on the competition for getting that award. And as of now, like, I think it comes down to, you know, the three guys we've mentioned, you know, Nikola Jokic, Joel Embiid, and, and LeBron. And I, I think that if there's a tie between any of those three guys, or, you know, between LeBron and one of those other guys, they're going to have to do their best to get ahead of them. Because I think if it's anywhere close, I think that the kind of the general narrative is going to shift in LeBron's direction. So uh, the, the, the Nuggets got to shoot up the standings for, for Jokic right. to get in there. And and just like, look, if, if Luke is going to have any chance in hell, the, the Mavericks have to get on a, a major role. Um Russ won it as a, you know, a six seed, but I think you've he had the you know, narrative gonna, though. He had the narrative yeah. because Durant had left and he averaged a triple double. Right. And, and look, Jokic might average a triple double. Luca might average a triple double, but if you're not uh, at least a top three seed uh, in, in the West, I just don't see how you can, uh, you know, how you can topple LeBron. If LeBron also, I up. don't think, Regardless of the numbers, I just don't think Giannis can win it um, because of the playoffs yeah. the last two years. And um, that you may say that that's not fair. And well, that goes I, back to the narrative again. I mean, yes, the, it's know, just part of it. Drives these awards, that's right. right? So, so like you hey, know, listen, we we can't. I don't think we can just dismiss Kevin Durant, though. I agree. I think Durant's in there. Um, you know, they. Th- you correct McMahon that typically 
you can go cherry pick years where this has not been the case, but typically it comes from a, a team that's in the top three or four record wise in the league, give or take maybe five. Um, it has not now for Embiid and Jokic, and we're in a different era and Embiid's numbers are just spectacular and spectacular at both ends. Um, I think, I think Philly's in the top three in defense, if not top three, maybe they slipped to four and he's a driving force in that. Uh, there hasn't been a true center win the MVP since Shaq in 2000. Uh, now, uh, Garnett won it uh, with the Wolves, and he played some center, but he's not a true center. Duncan won it a couple of times, but he didn't, you know, he was point for, or power forward slash center. Um, mm-hmm. Dirk won it as a power forward. Um, those are sort of the big men who've won it. Uh, so, you know, the, the burden for, you know, and of course, all the way through the 60s, 70s, you know, it was all centers winning it, you know. Well, even was, even the 90s, you know, a, a right, team, Shaq. Robinson, Shaq. Right. right. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's just a different era right now. So, so the burden is high for those guys, even though you would look at Jokic and say, well, he's not traditional center at all. Uh, but the some of the things that went against LeBron in recent years, um, which, you know, some of those years in Cleveland, he just sort of skated through the regular season by his standards. Right. His numbers were awesome but he just didn't have the gas down. Whereas some of the other guys did. Um, He got caught up in the whole Steph Curry, you know, rush there. I mean, Steph was having, you know, Mm -hmm. incredible seasons. The game was changing. He was leading the the change. You know, this same sort of thing happened to uh, with Nash, you know, Nash changed the whole NBA. In addition to how great he played when he won those back-to-back MVPs, he changed the NBA and Steph changed the NBA. And, and so, you know, there's all these circumstances, but the circumstances this year favor LeBron. Number one, we have a, we have a janky season. Number two, we have some of the strongest contenders are either going to be hard pressed to make it because their team's record or have this thing over their head. Like with Giannis. I mean, LeBron is still frustrated that he didn't win five MVPs in a row, but when he went to Miami, there was a thing hanging over his head and it affected the voting. I still say that Derek Rose won that sucker fair and square, but there are different people who can can debate on that, that year that Derrick Rose won in between the the back-to-back ones that LeBron won in Cleveland and Miami. But this year, I think some things favor him. And I'll tell you one thing, LeBron's defensive numbers are very good. Um, And one of the numbers I was looking at today was um, second spectrum data uh, that sports information, uh, ESPN sports information put together. Um, He's stats number. I'm sorry, I botched that. ESPN you, Stats you, and Information you, Group. You had him as sports information directors, maybe like the University of Akron. Within, within ESPN, we just call them SIG. Uh, that's our our acronym for them, Sports Information Group. SIG. Um, of all the stats guys who have, def- of all the guys who have um, been the primary defenders this year, uh, contesting shots, uh, from over 100, um, he's got the second. Long story short, we have I've botched this ten times over. Guys are shooting thirty. <laughs> guys are shooting thirty percent against him uh, when go. he's the primary defender. It's the second best in the league. Um, now that's a number you could play with that number, and you know it's tracking data, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, he had a pretty good defensive year last year. The Lakers are one of the top defensive teams in the league. The Lakers, um, when they want to, are really good defensively. His defensive play has been really good, and his defensive play in the bubble was really good too. So. Uh, you know, I voted for Giannis last year and have no qualms about it, but I certainly recognize that after the bubble, 
the difference between Giannis and LeBron was very, very clear. And nobody, I wouldn't have debated that even during the regular season, but Giannis had an all-time great regular season last year. Mm-hmm. But I'm and sure... The Bucks, and the Bucs had, had the best record in the league. Yes. You know, that, that, that well, was and a and, as well. That's right. And McMahon makes a great point about Durant. He should be in this group. There really should be four guys because he looks incredible and basically looks back to what he was before his Achilles tear. And if he continues that play all season and the Nets are a top two team in the East, uh, he's definitely going to be in the mix. True, but also. it's going to be it's, it's hard to win. It's going to be hard to win that award under the circumstances that they're going through. Right. Um, well, not if they not if they have a bottom five defense in the league and they have the second best record in the NBA and they're doing it, they're doing it because they're scoring 130 points a game. But will they have the second best record in the NBA? Well, that that's what I'm. I mean, my point is, McMahon made a good point. They, Durant is playing well enough that he is going to be in the mix. And when you talk about narrative driving these awards, Kevin Durant having the greatest comeback from an Achilles tear in the history of the sport uh, is going to be a strong narrative in his favor. Well, in the in the limited sample size of playing with the big three, his his shot numbers are down. Uh, I would say Durant needs to average the most shots on that team, <laughs> and, <laughs> not and, and Harden and, and Harden needs to be second. That's right, and Harden is a distant you know, third. For Harden to go an entire night and only get ten shots, the only time that should ever happen is when he's in a gentleman's establishment. That should never <laughs> happen during an NBA game. Ten shots out of the club, okay, that's a good, you know, you don't want to you don't want to go over that. That that's a good policy. But dude, t- he he needs to be getting up 10 shots a half. They did not he is a, he is a, a great passer, but they did not bring him to Brooklyn. He's to, averaging a, in the four games with Kyrie, is it four or five? Four games with Kyrie, I think. Um, he's averaging 11 shots a game. And if you watched him play, he is absolutely yielding. Yes, McMahon. McMahon, you've happen. watched you've watched him more than anybody the past several years. How how long do you think this is going to be? He clearly looks like he's trying to kind of ingratiate himself into the situation there. How how long do you think that's going to continue? That, that that's a great question. Um, I think James is you know he has to be well aware that there's been an expiration date on on his superstar tandems in in the past. Um, and specifically with ball dominant guys, you know, with, with Chris Paul, it was that second year they butted heads last year with Russ, you know, it was kind of wonky the whole year, even when Russ was playing great. Um, and I, you know, he's, he's hesitant of that. This is not his franchise. You know, he's the guy who, who was the last one in, but you know, the other night against Miami was like, he was so passive for three quarters and then the fourth quarter is like you know what the hell with this I'm yeah i want to win game. and he dominates <laughs> the fourth quarter so yeah. he needs to, like harden can't be worried about hurting Kyrie's feelings and i mean i don't know like what's going on that's what it looks like i don't know what's going on in that locker room i've watched a majority of the of the games that they've played with Kyrie. i think i've watched like three of the four two and a half of the four like my biggest takeaway out of the out of the two games in cleveland now durant did not play in the second game my biggest takeaway for the two games in Cleveland was I couldn't believe how yielding yeah. Harden was being to Kyrie. Um, well, the takeaway yeah, from the two games in Cleveland should have been that their defense is an absolute yes. dumpster fire. Well, but, but that, but, yes, I know. Well, but, you knew that. But, you, but you knew that. The, the, the question is, are they going to be such a historically elite 
uh, offense if they can get up with being, you know, get away with being mediocre or worse uh, defensively. I tell you what, though, if you're a center and you want to put up big numbers, boy, you you can't wait to see the Nets on the schedule. I, I can guarantee you that. But look, they didn't give up all the picks and all the swaps and Karis LeVert and Jared Allen for Harden to be the third wheel. You know, for, for Harden to be a guy who, okay, let me just move the ball and, okay, if you need me, I'm over here. That's Now, Kyrie ultimately needs to be the guy who kind of figures out how he fits in this, and Harden and Durant got to play their game because you've got two MVP caliber players and then a, a, a perennial all-star, but Kyrie is definitely at least a tier below those guys in terms of talent. Well, he's really, really valuable in the postseason, although having said that, Last time he played in the postseason, it didn't. It didn't. He single-handedly so short-circuited his team. The last time he was in the postseason. Uh, you know, like here's the thing. Um, I know that this is a bit coarse, but I'm just gonna be real. Can you count on Kyrie to be there? I don't know if you can. And for that reason alone, I think you got to make sure Durant and Harden are, you know, A and B. Because I just don't exactly. know. I just well, and to, and to McMahon's point, James Harden is just a better player than Kyrie. Kyrie's a great player. You're right. He's a great postseason player because he can score in isolations, right? And he's a great shooter. And you need that in the playoffs against elite defenses. But you know, James Harden has been the you know arguably the best offensive player in the history of the league the past five years. And Kevin Durant is one of the what ten best players of all time, right? Like those guys are in another stratosphere of player. And like. You wouldn't be trading all those picks and all that stuff if you didn't think James Harden was going to come in and play like an MVP. But the fact so that we're having this like conversation, the fact, the fact that we're talking about this, I think reinforces that it's going to be complicated for Durant to get in there with the high standard that Embiid, Jokic, and LeBron are. Right. And look, maybe they win 17 out of 18 because this is what happened with the Heat back. This is reminiscent of the Heat to me. Also reminiscent of the Cavs um, when LeBron called Kyrie a ball hog. Uh, four games into their careers together. <laughs> he didn't use those exact phrasing, but that was a game where Kyrie had had like two assists in, in you know, seven quarters and the game was in Salt Lake and LeBron pulled him aside and was like, uh, can't have one assist. You can't uh, have did, no assists. Did LeBron lie? He did not lie, but I'm just saying <laughs> that team later on went to the finals. Um, the, Heat well, the, team, Net, the Nets are, the Nets are coming into Wednesday are 11 and eight. So, I mean, they're, and they have the, they have the fifth most, fifth most wins in the league. So I, you know, if they, uh, my only point is, I think you, we have to have him as part of the discussion because he, if they're, if they're a really good team, again, he's going to have a pretty strong case to be in the mix. And, you know, that's, it's just something I, I think, you know, because again, a lot of this stuff for better or worse for in the minds of a lot of voters comes back to kind of the overall story of, the way the season's playing out. And if Durant is playing this well, even with those other guys, and frankly, he's their best defensive player now too. Like he's going to have to guard people for them to win games. Yeah, he's, he's, he's our best basket defender at the moment. And I'll just say, I, I just know what LeBron's thinking here. LeBron's thinking, you guys all penalize me when I switch teams, <laughs> you know, and build a super team, you know, keep the same energy. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore his seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt 
didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. Vivid Seats wants you to get to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch, assist, and game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part? Each transaction is a step toward a free 11th ticket with Vivid Seat Rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. As official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code HOOP. That's code HOOP, H-O-O-P. Visit vividseats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats, experience it live. Speaking of with LeBron, uh, I've got a little trivia question for you guys that you'll never get, but I'm going to be interested to, um, to, to hear to hear what your guesses are. This is one of the most incredible stats I've heard. Even though I shouldn't be surprised by it, it's an incredible stat. Um, and this is brought to you by CarMax. Don't just buy a car. Love your car with the new CarMax. Love your car guarantee. Okay, so this week, LeBron won uh, in Cleveland. He had 46. It's just an incredible fourth quarter after um, one of the Cavs front office guys cheered when he missed a shot at the end of the third quarter buzzer. Uh, LeBron posted the video. There's some video, by the way, of the uh, guy, Jason Hillman, who I know personally, nice guy, but he got a little into the moment um, cheering when LeBron missed that shot at the end of the third quarter. And I think it was a one point game. The Cavs were up by one. <laughs> and LeBron posted the video on Instagram and said, and I took that personal, uh, like the Jordan meme from the, um, from the documentary. All right. With that win, this is from Elias Sports Bureau. With that win, LeBron is now 15 and one against the Cavs in his career as a Laker and a, and a member of the heat. That's incredible. 15 and one. And the one victory was in his first season in Miami, the 2010, 11 season. So that means that he hasn't lost to the Cavs. I think it was in about March, mid March, 2011. Um, that's the second best player in history with a, uh, with who's, who's played more than 15 games against his uh, opposing team. You'll never get it, but you guys want to even guess who the best record is against their former team in their careers? Best record against their former teams. In, and it's a you'll never get it? You'll ne- we, we'd be here for three years. So maybe I shouldn't I, even. I feel like I've yeah, heard okay. that before, we, we need but a I, hint. we need a hint. Um, he played for the Celtics, and it was after he left the Cavs, and it was in the 80s. You'll, I mean. ML Carr? He was a role player. You'll never get it. I, I'll just let's just end the suspense. Scott Wegman. Oh, okay. I was I was trying to think of bench players on the Celtics. I was like Carlisle didn't play for the Cavs. I was, <laughs> I was trying to do a quick run. Th- I would not have thought if if yeah. uh, if the legend was was still out on the pod. She it would was, have got uh, she would have got yeah. that right. It was really more about the dominance of the Celtics over the Cavs in the eighties. Apparently, yes. Uh, he was he yes. was eighteen and one, um, fifteen and one against the Cavs. <laughs> That's pretty. That's pretty good. Just, you know, just in case you forgot what, how good this guy is 15 and one. Um, I mean, the Cavs went like a decade without winning in Miami, uh, including the LeBron teams. When LeBron came back, they could never win in Miami. So uh, the heat have owned the Cavs for a while. Um, anyway, uh, McMahon, the game you covered last night was a really interesting game. Uh, Houston, Washington, um, John wall, 24 points coming back from some knee issues. Uh, had a big fourth quarter. Uh, I think uh, reading your story about the game, he had he had he scored all all. It was a nine two run that decided the game. 
he scored all nine points and then got into it with Westbrook. They got double technicals. Yeah, he had he scored six and then and fed uh, Oladipo for the other three. Oh, okay, that's what it was. Um, but and then and then they, you know it was it was chirpy, it was chirpy, and and Russ um, Russ definitely holds the NBA record for most trash talked when he's down double digits. Um, this is something he's done repeatedly, and you know Russ's thing last night is he didn't start it, but he's gonna you know. He's going to return, whatever. There was a, a lot of trash talk. And it was funny, post-game, uh, Wall was, you know, politically correct, polite even, I would say. You know, he even pointed out, as he said, Russ been kicking my ass for years. Um, yeah, he knew the record. He said it was only the third time that he'd beaten And he was right. Yeah, Russ is now 11-3 and three in games against John Wall. So, you know, Wall is basically, hey, it's just trash talk. And 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 Russ was having none of that. He, you know, I don't start talking bleep. You know, I just defend myself against people who just say anything, especially when I know all the facts. Blah blah blah. Well, Westbrook can't win on the court right now, so his goal is to try to win the press conference. I guess. Yeah. And what's his? What's the Wizards' record with Westbrook, Bontemps? One and eight. One. That's correct. And look, obviously the he's Wizards had a quad have, injury. He's had a quad injury. They've well, been, the, they've the had problem wrecked by COVID, but they also it's a bad team. The problem, the problem with the quad injury is, you know, he spent the last two weeks resting the quad, right? And the thought was, all right, he's going to come back and look better now that he's had some time off and he looks horrible. And I mean, this is a, I mean, he at this point is the single most damaging player in the league and mm. is a millstone wow, that for, for that. The single most damaging player. I mean, it's, I don't even think it's a, a conversation. I mean, he's, he's an absolute train wreck and he has the ball all the time. And, you you look at where this team is headed and you're looking at a hundred and you know, I guess we're now a quarter of the way into the season. So we're down to $120 million over the next two and three quarter seasons that he's owed. I mean, it's, and, and a pick going to Houston on top of it. I mean, that is a, that is a rough looking transaction at the moment. And it's hard to see where this turns around. I'll, I will say this. It's the, it's the second worst, uh, Russell Westbrook trade over the last couple of years because he wants the Rockets <laughs> like to get that. that. I know you keep <laughs> saying that. So it's so true. Gotta, it is. <laughs> it is true. Hundred percent true. Um, out of you know, you had to cover heavily the game, obviously, uh, and there was a lot of you know stuff going on in the game, McMahon. But you had a quote in here from Wall that I found more interesting than any of that stuff. Uh, he was talking about the emotions of playing against the Wizards for the first time ever. He'd played there for a decade. And he said, I just felt like the work, this is post after being traded following the Achilles mm -hmm. injury. You know, he missed a year and a half. Um, I just felt like the organization thought I was done. No matter how much hard work I put in over the summer, they came and watched me. They thought, I thought they thought I was done. I thought they thought I was done. That's why I came out here and did what I did. Um, this trade is, um, it was interesting in the moment and continues to be more fascinating. And here what Wall is saying is, you know, because the, there was rumors out there, you know, that people had seen John Wall play and looked good. And he's yeah. saying that the team saw him, you know, whatever the Rockets, the reports that the, whether Rockets people, you know, saw him and reported the Rockets back. The Rockets people didn't see him. The Rockets people didn't. The Wizards did. Yeah, the, the, the front it, office it may not, but players, players. It, no, yeah, the, players the, the, Wizards, the Wizards front office saw him too. I mean, it wasn't a secret that they – saw him working out and playing. I mean, I think, look, John, John, it's 
people don't really get the relationship that John had with the city of Washington. I mean, the Wizards have never been in the conference finals uh, with that team, with him and Beal. And like people don't people didn't really realize it, but he he was very ingrained in that community. And it was a big deal to people there when he got traded. Mm. And it was a big deal to him when he got traded. And so I get where he I get where that emotion is coming from from him. And I I could certainly understand why he went out and played. Yeah, just to remind people, game. you used to work at the Washington Post. So you, you know, even right. though you were based in Washington, you certainly were very well aware of that. Later right. On. And that was that was a pretty special bond that he had with that city. And, um, you know, for that to end the way it did, it rubbed a lot of people the wrong way in the community. And it obviously, John, it didn't sit well with John. But look, I mean, I think at the time, it certainly felt to a lot of people in the league like that was a move that was made uh, to make Bradley Beal happy. Uh, and it was not a move that necessarily the Wizards uh, would have made uh, otherwise. Now, that may or may not be true, but narrator, regardless, uh, Bradley Beal is not happy. Well, <laughs> I was going to say, well, well, see, right. see the meme of Beal on the bench head and hand. That's right. And when you, to me, the bigger picture thing with this, you know, whatever, whatever's going on in Houston, the Rockets kind of are what they are now for a while, as we know. They're going in another direction. The thing to watch for here is with Westbrook looking like this and with there not really being to me a realistic scenario where this is going to dramatically turn around and he's going to look way better. You have to start looking at Bradley Beal and saying, is there a chance that sometime over the next two months, this guy becomes available in trade because teams around the league are looking at the wizards and looking at Bradley Beal as the one guy left that could really change the landscape of the league in a trade. And, you know, whether it's Philly or these other teams that have assets, still golden state, you know, the teams that the few teams that are still have designs of being good that have assets left are looking at that saying the second that Bradley Beal is openly on the market, there's going to be a gold rush to try to get him because he's the last guy that can really change the landscape. Of the goals. Let's have a second CarMax trivia question just for fun. What do you oh, say? Right. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. CarMax is <laughs> the following is brought to you by CarMax. Don't just buy a car. Love your car with the new CarMax. Love your car guarantee. How about that? The last. So Bradley Beal. Over the last 33 games for the Wizards. Why is it 33? I don't know. This is what Elias put together. Has scored 1,168 points. That's 35 points a game. 30, averaging 35 points a game over 33 games. The most points over that kind of span for the Bullets Wizards franchise since Walt Bellamy, 1962, when they were in Chicago. I was going to go Elvin Hayes. I was, yeah, I, I was actually going to say Alvin Hayes, too. That was, but that this was guy is doing guess. something that hasn't been done in 50 years, at least for this franchise. 35 points a game. And this is, you know, this is not a small sample size, but I don't have their record in those 33 games, but I'll bet it's not good. It's not good. You know what, though? What, what, what's crazy is as much as they have, uh, obviously, they, they're not good. I mean, they're, what, 3-10 and 10 now. He actually has, it's, it's not by much, but he has a positive plus minus. And that's, now, that's a hell of a stat. That's a hell of a step, McMahon. Yeah, a positive plus minus yeah. uh, for a three and ten team. So, I mean, it's not like you know you look at some guys and say, "Well, those are those are empty stats." No, he's putting up thirty five efficiently, right? I mean, he, he's getting to the line. He's shooting forty eight percent from the floor. You know, thirty five is not great from three point range, but it's 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 not bad. Um, you know, he he's a good passer, for, especially for a two guard. I mean, he's plus five for the season and then 12 games played, but still <laughs> to be plus anything for a team that's that big of a mess around them. 
uh, that's pretty good. Ru- Russell well, Westbrook, not a plus. <laughs> not a well, plus. You, not know, a you know what else? He's never been an all-NBA player. He's been close. He should have been an all-NBA player last year. He's on my all-NBA ballot. He was on my all-star ballot, too. Didn't make either. Um, had he somehow been able to squeeze an all-NBA over the last couple of years, he would have been super max eligible. Mm-hmm. And the, I'm, sure, I'm sure the Wizards would have offered it. They offered it to Wall. And um, he might have signed it. He ended up extending his contract in such a way that made it not it, – it doesn't feasibly make a difference now. But, um, you know, th- he's a guy who is going to have sl- – because right now – he is the definition of a super max player. Wouldn't you agree, Bontemps? Like, this is the type of guy that you want to have that mechanism to keep, and it's not even available to him. And, you know, now you wonder what's going to happen with that. I and mean, it's, it's what everybody's talking about in the league. There are, there are executives out there who are, I'm just telling you this, like, I talk to them who are talking about moves that they can make going into this trade deadline or moves that they can make now that potentially set themselves up to make a be- even a better Bradley Beal offer when that moment comes, whether it's in March or whether it's in August, whatever. But like, no there's so many people watching this, um, even though, even though he is, to my knowledge, not made any request or anything. No, and that, that's the thing, right? Everybody's waiting to see if Beal is going to officially say kind of, you know, in a similar way to what happened with James Harden, right? Hey, look, guys, it's been a good run. It's time for me to play elsewhere. And that's the moment everybody's in the league is waiting to see because he, you know, after Rudy signed his extension and Giannis signed his extension and um, you know, James Harden has been traded and all these, all these moves that have these seismic moves that have happened over the last year or two in the league, right. Beal is the one guy that's kind of still sitting there that hasn't moved that could move that would change the landscape if he did. And between now and March 25th, that's the biggest name that everybody's looking at. And if he, doesn't say he wants to go anywhere. I don't think he's going to go anywhere. And I think to your point, if he uh, makes an All-NBA team this year, which I think he's got a really good chance to, then he very well may sign a Supermax extension this summer. Um, or at least they'll offer it to him. The Supermax but, is already out the window for him because he's he's going to reach 10 years of service time. The, the, the reason oh, the Supermax that's right. is, right. Super is valuable is because it lets you boost to 10 years of service time. You get credit for 10 years of service time, That's even if right. you've only played seven or eight. But yeah, I forget how young he is. I forget how young he is. He was a 2012. But I will pick. say this. We were talking about Embiid earlier. If Embiid makes all NBA this year and, you know, knock on wood, he doesn't get hurt. He should. <laughs> well, he and Jokic, he and Jokic both are super max eligible if they make all NBA this year. Is Jokic as well? Yep. Jokic can't sign. Jokic can't sign it for a year, but he'll be eligible. Ah. He'll he'll qualify, but he'll but they'll both qualify for good, it when they can sign it. Good point. Good point. Well, that's, can I, that's can I just Bobby say, Marks. Bobby Marks gave us that yeah. last week. I, I I do think it is a premature and probably inaccurate assumption to say that Russ will be this bad. Russ stunk to start last season, and then there was a two and a half month stretch where he played as well as he did, you know, even during his MVP season, you know, having said that uh, certainly the, the talent on the wizards roster is not going to be tailored nearly as much to his skill set. And, you know, this whole thing, you know, Russ, I want to play my game. I want to play my game. Eh, you, you know, the 18 foot pull-ups, like it, that's a bad game to play. Yeah, well, I, it's, hard, it's hard to imagine this. he's it's hard to imagine he's going to be this bad, McMahon. But the problem, the concern that I have is that when you look at where his shots are coming from, to your point, he's barely getting to the rim now at all. And they're all 
these mid-range pull-ups. And I mean, that if that burst can't come back at all, he is going to be this bad. It's, and and like, again, it's not thing. just, it's not just the way Westbrook is playing. It's the way Westbrook is playing and the way wall is playing and the swap that happened uh, with this high stakes season with Bradley Beal, with the fact that they gave a first round pick. And by the way, the first round pick has protections on it that keeps it, you know, the wizards can't trade another first round pick other than this year's pick, which they can't, they would be insane to trade. So it even affects what they can do business-wise going forward. It's just, you know, and again, I'm not saying that wall is going to be a, um, an all-star again. And it's not like Houston setting the, the world on fire. They're a losing team as well. And walls had another injury, you know, both we and Westbrook have been out with injuries. Um, like I'm just saying though, that in the light of that decision, when you look at the two of them, you know, and you've got the exact same contract, the fact that you that you chose Westbrook over Wall, number one, and then number two that you gave a first round pick, and right, that's that's the thing, and it's it's a protected pick and all that, but still, that the Rockets right now feel very good about the fact that you know what we've got the more productive player, and we're the ones who got the pick. Uh, all right. Well, speaking of big decisions, there's uh, another. Which, by the way, um, last year, Oklahoma City got the more productive player, and. so they don't feel good about that one whom they later (laughs) traded for more first round picks they later traded they got all the picks and swaps got an all-star season from chris paul traded him for a first round pick and kelly Oubre, who they traded for another first round pick um so they you know you can do this all day long all you know they're they're not going to be a playoff team um you know, right that being now. said, the Thunder have won a lot more games than I think they anticipated slash maybe are secretly yeah, unhappy about, given that they're 7-9 and nine through 16 games at this point. Right. I think they have more wins than the Rockets and, and Wizards. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyeho Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the hypnotic team. Every season is hypnotic and tequila season. Hypnotic liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Okay, speaking of big decisions, one of the big decisions that was made in the offseason was the choice that was made um, by the Minnesota Timberwolves to draft Anthony Edwards ahead of James Wiseman and LaMelo Ball for the number one overall pick. Now, they play, they know they played uh, earlier this week. They play again tonight. Not that anything that happens in this game is going to frame that decision. Um, but, uh, you know, the, the Wolves really, really wanted to trade out of that number one pick. Mm-hmm. And the reason they didn't want that pick wasn't just because they were having a hard time breaking the tie between those three top picks, but because they were really in a tough spot because Gerson Rosas, um, their GM has a max player at playing center signed to a max contract, Carl Towns. And he's got a max player playing point guard uh, who happens to be one of Towns' best friends in DeAndre right. Russell. 
He gave away very valuable asset, which is a first round pick in this upcoming draft to get D'Angelo Russell. And if he had drafted either Wiseman or Ball, he would have crowded either one of those guys who can block vote against him, frankly. And he tried like hell for months to get out of that number one pick all the way up until draft night. And in fact, the story that I heard, I think Bontemps, you and I have talked about this. Even on the clock, he was trying to posture that he was going to take Wiseman in an effort to get the Warriors who wanted Wiseman really bad mm-hmm. to flop with him and give him his draft pick back, um, do it, do it, yep. you know, do a redo. And, you know, the look, this happens every year at the draft is certainly not, you know, unusual. These games get played all the time. Wiseman specifically avoided working out for the Timberwolves. He said on the record, oh, I'll play Minnesota. I don't care. But if you look at his actions, he made himself fully available, fully available to several teams, including the Warriors and kept himself away from the Wolves because he didn't want to go there. Uh, or at least he definitely preferred. Maybe he didn't want to. Is not accurate. Maybe he preferred going to Golden State, where he ended up going. And so, with this sort of bucket of difficult decisions, and it's not to say that Anthony Edwards was not a a prime choice. It just made it. He couldn't evaluate it, you know, squarely, evenly. He didn't. He, yeah, he he made a number one overall pick based on position because of the circumstances you just laid out. He, he did not pick the best player number one overall. He picked the player well, who... May, I don't know. That's debatable, but I, I think he was left with no choice. He pretty, he pretty clearly didn't pick the player with the highest upside. Now, he, think, may end up, he may end up being the better player, but LaMelo had the highest upside in the draft, and he didn't take him at the, with the first pick. And, and I am... And I watch Wiseman play and get very excited. <laughs> So you, you didn't get very excited much last game. You didn't well, play a whole lot. They they took him out of the starting lineup um, and played much better as a team, uh, and that's an interesting decision. They're not they didn't take him out of the starting lineup because of his play. They're just having some well, issues. Well, it was it was in part because of his play. I mean, it, I mean, it's part because of they're his... a significantly better team right now with him off the floor. That doesn't mean. I mean, he's nineteen. He played what three college games. I mean, he is a. 19-year-old project with ridiculous physical gifts. Well, and this and this is the, the reason it's such an interesting decision, right? Because to your point, McMahon, he has struggled at times in their starting lineup, and their starting lineup has been horrible. Uh, mm-hmm. And they could have gone other directions. It could have, for example, put, say, Michael Mulder, a much better shooter in for Kelly Oubre, and gone that way. But, you know, Steve Kerr instead chose to bench the number two overall pick. And when you look at the Warriors in the bigger scheme of things – you know, they came into the season saying the number one objective was to maximize the development of James Wiseman. And, you know, you can argue whether they should or should not be pulling him out of the starting lineup and whether it's a better thing for them to do to try to win games right now. But he played 15 minutes in a game they won by 25 against the Wolves, who are probably the worst team in the league, especially right now without Carl Downs. So is that the scenario in which you're maximizing development if you're number two overall pick, who, by the way, if Bradley Beal does become available, it's going to be one of the major centerpieces of such a trade, right? right? So it's that that is what makes it a really interesting decision. Well, an offer. I don't know if that's what the trade would be, but it would be an offer. I mean, I'm sure that's what Well, no, but I'm saying if Golden State was – Golden State's attempt to get Bradley Beal in such a deal would be centered around Wiseman and the, the pick they have coming up from Minnesota, right? right? Like that's the centerpiece of their offer. So, you know, that that's what makes it interesting. It's not like, well, he's a young guy. He's going to – he's going to have ups and downs. It's that – his 
his situation is framed within the bigger situation that Golden State's currently in. Let me just say right. real quick, 30-second timeout. Let's say you're Tommy Shepard, the GM of the Wizards, and uh, Bob Myers, the GM of the uh, uh, Warriors, calls you today and makes that offer. And there might be other pieces, parts, whatever, but says, hey, what do you think about Wiseman and the Minnesota pick for Bradley Beal? What do you think? What, what, would you do that deal? I mean, I would consider it. Uh, I would obviously shop around and, and, and see what other – you know what other offers I could get, but that's a chance to get the better. The the better question stars. The better question is 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 that a better trade or is it or is Ben Simmons a better trade for Washington? That's because those are probably the two best packages on the market in some form. And that's yeah, a, that's I mean, an interesting th- question th- that I'm not sure the answer to. Well, I'm just thinking, and, because there's another there's another factor there, which is. Then you go into tank mode if you're the Wizards, and you're now looking. You know, the, I think the, uh, you know, the Minnesota pick is protected, so if it falls in the top three, you're going to lose it. But no, um, they would get it next year as a next year protected but, pick. And the and the other team I keep bringing up is the Nuggets, and you know as much as we pointed out all the warts on Michael Porter Jr., I see him a couple nights ago at the American Airlines Center and was reminded that this is a six foot ten. Athletic, yeah, he's skilled, smooth. I mean, rapid. He's, fire, he's a very, he's a very, uh, very release. interesting prospect. Michael Boy, Porter I mean, Jr. has the type of talent that he could lead the league in scoring someday. Yeah, he is. He is. I mean, it's. But he but, got but, thirty. He got thirty easy. The concept of that easy off the bench. The concept of that trade is that it enable it would enable the Wizards to tank this season. And now you end up potentially two high lottery picks plus Wiseman, so you end up with basically three high lottery picks, right? In a in a in a span, and that you, you know you got to draft well, you got to get somewhat lucky, but that's that's where you put your foot in the ground and say, okay, here comes a rebuild. Yep. <laughs> Which, by the way, when you're three and ten, that's a pretty good time to decide. You know what? We're gonna we're well, gonna go I mean, ahead and it's rebuild. probably a little early, but um, anyway. Uh, so getting back to Edwards, Edwards is, so you know, at the beginning of the season, if you listen to this pod at all, you know that my concern about LaMelo Ball is that, you know, he was a very low percentage shooter, um, you know, in, in, uh, in New Zealand. Anthony Edwards is shooting 34%. Now, his, he's, he's, he's gunning on a bad team that is, you know, they've been missing Russell recently. They obviously been missing Towns a lot. There's not much going on there. Uh, Malik Beasley's playing well for them but uh he's gunning so he's coming and he's just gunning he's shooting a whole bunch of shots he's shooting low percentage 34 percent overall um 27 on threes and meanwhile Lamelo is shooting a lot better uh he's not you know he's not going to make anybody forget jack's percentages but in addition to Lamelo being a uh a higher you know level efficiency player he is a big time playmaker um and Edwards, a great rebounder for a guard Edwards is not. Edwards averages two rebounds a game. He averages as many turnovers as rebounds practically. Um, he averages 1.9 rebounds and like 2.8 or 1.9 turnovers and 2.8 rebounds. You know, he's a 6'4 guard. He's super athletic, but he's never going to be a great rebounder. But um, uh, Lamelo is a big time playmaker, uh, you know, cr- creator. So um, way too early to make a full judgment. But, you know, you look at Lamelo and you look at Wiseman. That's another decision that was a huge, huge decision in the moment, kind of like um, what we were just talking about before with with Westbrook Wall. It's a huge, huge, huge decision that affects you going forward. This is a huge, huge, huge decision that affects you going forward. And, you know, 
I don't know where Minnesota feels about it right now. I, mean, I know he's had a couple of good games, but to, I'm, I'm going to say this to to kind of get pigeonholed into drafting for position at number one, and one of the reasons is D'Angelo Russell, and you gave up what's going to be a really high pick to go get D'Angelo Russell. That's tough, man. Guess who is dead last in the NBA in plus minus? D'Angelo Russell. By 48 points. Oh, no. By 48 points. And, he's missed, and he's missed games. Is minus Plus. 165 in 14 oh, games. The next worst no. player is minus 117. I mean, look, the, 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 the bottom line here is the Minnesota Timberwolves bet their franchise on D'Angelo Russell. And yeah. that was not a very good bet, at least the way it's looking right now. I mean, that, you know, you can – you could say that Carl Towns has not played with him yet. You could say, hey, when these guys are on the court together, they're going to have a great offense. Maybe that will be true because they basically haven't played together yet because Towns got hurt at the end of last season. And he's, you know, and now he's unfortunately out with COVID. And, you know, he was hurt before that. So maybe they can get them on the court together and the two of them can, uh, you know, find some synergy and, and figure it out. But, you know, I did not like the max contract. I was pretty loud at the time. I didn't like the move for Golden State when they signed D'Angelo Russell. He had kind of a fluky season and made the all-star team in Brooklyn. And he had a good year that year. He had a good year. He was was fine. And Minnesota was was offering him the max, but I agree. I I agree. I wasn't a fan of the signing. That's fine. I mean, look, I'm not saying he was terrible, but I didn't think he was an all-star caliber player. I thought he made the all-star team. And, at you know, I didn't I didn't like the move for Golden State. I thought they might be stuck with a guy who didn't fit with their team. And they managed to find a, a trade partner with him after six months and, and traded and, him. As good as a guy as Steve Kerr is, um, even he could not be relied on to tell the truth because obviously when they signed him, everybody said this is just an asset play so you can get something right. for Kevin Durant. And they go, No, 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 no. We 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 really think, you know, we're we're really high on him. And like 15 minutes later, they were trying to trade him. Well, and look here, and here's the bottom line in 430 minutes this season, the the Wolves offense with him on the court is 102.4. That would be the worst offense in the league. Their defensive rating with him on the court is 119.5. That would be the worst defense in NBA history. I believe the Kings defense may be worse this year, but if not, it's the only thing preventing it from being the worst defense in NBA history. That's a negative 17.1. Uh, per 100 net, possessions, net yeah, and that's in 430 minutes. That's a lot. So of, that's a lot, that's of, a lot of minutes. So yeah. I mean, that is a team. To McMahon's point, they have gone all in on D'Angelo Russell, and again, Towns just played four games. They're plus six uh, with him on the court. So I'm sure they would say in response, "Hey, listen, when Towns comes back, we're going to have a really good offense, and we're going to be okay, and we'll figure it out." Maybe we're going to have will. a really good offense, and we'll still be horrific defensively. Right. I mean, look. It is, is it a trade right now that doesn't look great. And again, with, with that top three protection this year and an unprotected pick next year, that's looking like a really good asset for the Warriors. And, you know, potentially it's going to put the Wolves in a pretty rough looking spot if this doesn't improve pretty quickly. All right. Well, we're out of time. Um, I really wanted to get McMahon's reaction to, so, we have a power rankings at the ES, at ESPN and they're created by a composite, all a bunch of writers put their power rankings in and that's a composite of those numbers. Kind of just like the AP poll for college football. Bontemps 
they are private, but Bontemps published his on Instagram and, and revealed that ill-advised, he was, ill-advised. Oh, I think it was nice. What's ill-advised about it? Dude, listen, I, I give the jazz as much love as any, anybody. You rank the, the jazz number media. one. Mm-hmm. You put the jazz number one. How many like, games are all the jazz one? Okay, were they number? Were they the best how team many, in the league? How they, many? Were they how the many best games? team? Nine now. Were they the best? They've won team nine in, the in a row. When, when they had their nineteen and two run last year, were they last season? Were they the best team in the league? I wasn't doing power. I'm going to say year. you were. So uh, okay, you well, I'm asking you a question. I didn't ask about your power rankings. You doofus. You are the king. It's it's amazing. Your quadricep tendons are still intact as much as you knee jerk. Okay. <laughs> I, just like I'm not. Just how is like, it? A, just, no. Wait a second. No, wait no, a second. Just like Go is ahead. it still Kawhi Leonard's league, or or have you maybe realized that maybe LeBron still sits on his throne? And I said last it's same, year. It's a, okay. You're gonna keep it's going. The same thing. It's the same thing here. The Lakers have the best record in the league. They've got okay. LeBron. They've got okay. Anthony Davis. They improved yes. their supporting cast. Yes. And the Jazz going on an eight or nine game winning streak and the jazz and the jazz and, and, have won and you're delivering the larry o'brien to freaking salt lake city are you are you still are you done yet now you're done okay the jazz have won the jazz have won nine games off now the jazz have won nine games in a row they won three games last week by a combined eight billion points they look and great. the lakers lost last week uh to golden state so i moved them down one spot <laughs> they are the second team in my power rankings right now. And yes, like if I just, if, if there's no point in looking at what is happening in the moment, then yeah, we could just have the Lakers. It's not who had the best. It's not who had the best week. You bozo. It's who's the best team. If the Lakers and jazz meet in the playoffs, are you picking the jazz to beat the Lakers? I think the Lakers would clearly be favored to win that series. I think the jazz would have a chance to win. I think the jazz are playing great. So I put them at first in my power rankings for this week. I don't. I don't think it's. I don't think it's a. Uh, I think it's. I don't. Ludicrous. I don't think it's a. Okay. I. I think it's. It seems to me insane that you would uh, not take into context how teams are playing in the moment. In I did. That's why I moved not, the Jazz up to number three in my power okay, rank. Okay. So I, one I don't, over the defending champions, who you've got LeBron playing. All right, well, let me ask you. Let me ask you. Yes, they got two first team all NBA guys and a better supporting cast. And then when they let me ask you this freaking playoffs, what would it take? All right, you need to get your internet to work so I can ask you a question. What? uh, I also enjoy that we've taken over Brian's podcast. What would it take for you? I'm not saying anything. What would it? I I was wrapping up the pod. What would it take for you to move the Lakers out of the number one spot in your power rankings? Is there well, anything at, short at of the, an injury bare, to LeBron or Anthony Davis that would do that? I'm serious question. At the bare freaking minimum, the defending champions would have to not have the best record in the NBA. That's like at the bare minimum. Well, okay. So what what would it what would it require for them to not be in the number one spot? For them to lose require? More, than, more than a game. It's going to take a hell of a lot more than a team reeling off eight straight, now nine straight wins. I can tell you that. I mean, I will say this, that it is supposed to be sort of a, a dipstick at any one time. I mean. Ooh, there's a dipstick here. But it's <laughs> Brian, Brian set you up with that. Uh, one. I mean, look, like I said, I had the Lakers second. That's the first time I haven't had him first all season. I think you're it's never going to be able a, to go back to LA. It was a nod. It was again. a nod to, it was a nod to how well, the Jazz are playing, and the Lakers lost once last week, so they moved down one spot. It's I didn't move them down to fifteenth. 
that would that would to me would be a different scenario. Like I don't I I think if I had them like eighth because they lost one game, like yeah, then I think you could go, well, what the hell are you doing? I mean, they're second and the Jazz are playing out of their minds and annihilating people. Their starting lineup is demolishing people. Clearly so, as impressive as being the defending champions with the best player of this generation yes, and I, another guy who's a top five player I, in the it's, league. It's obviously. a it's a one week power ranking. I, it's not, I don't, like I said, I, to me, if you're not I'm, looking I'm, at what's happening in the moment and making any kind of uh, assessment, then like you could just put your, you could like do your preseason rankings and then change them <laughs> once some, once every three months and be good. Like I, don't I know. have lobbied, I have lobbied to our editors to have you removed from the committee. Well, that, that would be the sure. Cause that, that's, that's good. This is why that's it's good. Thoughts. It's to have, to have variants of opinion. All right. Uh, we should have just done this at the start of the podcast, and I could have just gone and you know had lunch. One uh, one thing, real quick, before we go, uh, Saker Smith passed away. Yeah, yesterday. you know who would have enjoyed. You know who would have enjoyed that back and forth a lot. Saker Smith. Seku would have been laughing his ass off. Yeah, for that people, back and forth. I'm sure a lot of people have seen uh, comments about him over the past day or so. By the time this comes out, and he, I think I can speak for both Brian and Tim. He was just an awesome guy who, like Brian said, was always smiling and laughing. Mm-hmm. And la- I saw him in the bubble for two minutes. He was in the first year and I was upstairs and I saw him outside one day. And it was like, I had, uh, it was like, I'd seen him yesterday and I probably hadn't seen him in 18 months. And that was just how he was all the time. So um, just been thinking of him the last day or so and wanted to say something. Cause that was pretty tough news yesterday. Everybody uh, please be safe because um Seku was a guy who you would have thought would have had a great chance to beat COVID. And uh, COVID just reminded everybody about how dangerous it is. So please be safe out there. Uh, thanks for listening to the Hoop Collective podcast. Thank you to Tim and Tim. Um, maybe we'll just bring you guys on every week and uh, uh, talk about the, your, your, your power ranks. I, I now, I guess I have to encourage uh, McMahon to publish his power rankings as Von Temps did. Well, the problem um, is I got hacked on Instagram. So my, my work, I don't know. I've got technical issues. <laughs> there's your, love, there's uh, your excuse. You I'd love on to Twitter. See, I'd love to see. We'll do. We'll do. I'd love be to tweet. see McMahon's hacked Instagram. It's all I'm going to say. All right. Thank you for listening. Thank you to Troy, our producer. Take care. We'll talk to you soon. Adios, amigos.